understand what you're selling and then understand why it's so important, not to you, but to the people, you know, to the media, obviously, why would they be interested in this? And then also your audience, why would they care? Welcome to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew, your home to learn all things funding, scaling, talent, branding, and the billion-dollar dream. Finding out how to be a unicorn in a field of horses. Hear from industry founders and discover how to stand out to those who matter most to your business. With your host, tech startup fanatic, Belinda Agnew. For this edition, we're going to talk about the influential corporate and personal branding specialist, Samantha Dyback. She's the founder of the PR Hub and host of popular podcast, The Influence Unlocked. Samantha launched the PR Hub in 2013, initially as a side hustle to help tell the stories of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and innovative brands. She capitalizes on more than 15 years of experience in brand and business strategy. Samantha is a two-time finalist in the B&T Women in Media Awards and a 2019 Sydney Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. She has also been featured as a panel host and speaker at Australia's leading tech startup events, including PauseFest, StartCon, Crown and Women of the Future events, etc. So let's all welcome Samantha to the show. Thanks for being here. Belinda, thanks for having me. Um, she had a little bit of an issue this morning with her <laughs> malfunction <laughs> on her wardrobe. What actually happened? Oh, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, so it's for, and it's the first time it's happened. So for somebody who has a podcast and does different bits and pieces of speaking events, I've never actually had a wardrobe malfunction. Never. Um, Your first time? Not that I can remember, not like this. So the buckle on the dress broke, basically. It was a very big belt with a very big buckle right in the center of the dress. Was it expensive? Um, I don't know if I can get it fixed. I didn't even think about that. I just thought, I'm running late. Quick, what do I wear? change. Yeah. So. I actually thought it was coffee that happened to me one time. I got ready and I dropped coffee on me and I was like, oh my God, I don't have an outfit. Um, But yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So let's start with... um, Tell us about yourself, you know, uh, what, what was your upbringing like? Let's go back to the childhood of Samantha. How did you get into PR, that type of thing? So, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Tell yeah. us about yourself. Let's start with childhood. Um, so, I am one of four children, so I'm the eldest. Uh-huh. And I think I always had ambitions to be a business person or just ambitions to be the boss, which is Pretty funny, but also not funny because I've got a four and a half year old daughter and she's exactly like that and it drives me insane. But I think I was a lot like that as well. So, yeah, look, I I was wonderful. um, Nothing too fancy about my childhood. Um, Had an amazing upbringing, great parents uh, who instilled a lot of really important values in me about the importance of working hard. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely stayed with me. Um, But yeah, look, I had a pretty stock standard type of upbringing, went to school, went to high school, went to university, um, did all the things that I thought I could do to be a successful business person with no idea what that meant. So, were you like hustling at a young age where you were selling stuff like, you know, the general entrepreneurship or I guess the general entrepreneur does? They usually like door knock and sell random stuff like, you know, uh, lemonade and uh, flowers and cookies and stuff. Were you doing stuff like that? I was actually pretty nerdy. Oh, were you? Yeah, well, to the extent that I was very focused on high school. So I loved high school and I did everything you possibly could in terms of singing, dancing, debating, 
um, you know, after school playing piano, doing, oh, wow. doing taekwondo, all those sorts of things. So it's actually my mum that was doing all that because she's a she was a full time primary school teacher and still is. Um, but she was actually always the one with the side hustle. So she'd be making outfits or selling jewelry um, at the local fair. She was she was working two oh, jobs wow. a lot of the time. So I actually saw her doing all of that. But um, no, I was too focused on school. Wow. So were you like the teacher's pet? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they didn't like you, but you were good at school. Um, I just loved school. So, I, up until I should actually say, preface that by saying it was up until about the end of year eight that I was not so crash hot at school. Okay. And my mum, I remember her distinctly saying to me, You will not be able to go back to dancing, which I loved mm-hmm. next year unless you pick up your grades. And I don't know what it was about that, but after that, I got pretty good at at school and I okay. got really into school and I loved it. I was definitely not a teacher's pet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, I definitely you enjoyed it. In. You yeah. enjoyed it. And then so from school, um, you know, having uh, a good childhood with your mom and seeing her do the side hustle thing, um, were you the only child in your family? Did you have siblings and a big family? So I'm the eldest of four. Yep. Um, so I was sort of the the rebel, I guess, the, the person who set – who set the trends, which is always interesting, I think, when you're the first child because you're always doing things and your parents don't don't you're know because model. it's all new to them. Um, and yeah. I was probably definitely a bit of a problem child. Um, but, yeah, yeah, two sisters and a brother, all younger than me, and we went to different schools. Like my, one of my sisters went to my high school. The others went to different high schools. Um, we're all really close. Like there was four of us under six in age. So cool. we're all really close um, and still are today, which is lovely. Nice. So you, so you came from a pretty decent family, which is good. Not many people do, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know what? Like I, a lot of these entrepreneurs have really crazy stories. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, my family was poor and like I came from this thing or I was like a, uh, immigrated and, you know, all these crazy stories. So I guess it's good to hear like, you know, that people are entrepreneurs are still normal or had a normal upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Look, my parents were first generation Australian. So yeah. they, they grew up um, learning English when their parents didn't. Yeah. And my grandparents worked super hard when they got here um, to to give them a really good upbringing. I think my parents did that as well. So, I mean, yes, it was there was nothing stand out about it. Um, one of the things that I took from that that I appreciate a lot now as a parent is how hard my parents did work for us and how much they gave up so that the four of us could have things, which you never appreciate as a child at the time. Until you have your own. Yeah. 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 You start to like realize that as you get older as well, it's like, wow, you actually did a lot for, for me, you know, which is awesome. Um, so tell us about how you got into PR and I guess how this came about. So from from the beginning, you kind of were doing it as a side hustle, which is like kind of like your mom. And because you were passionate about entrepreneurship or business leaders, is that is that correct? You were wanting to get into that space. So how did you land your first deal? Did you just direct BD them? Like how did this happen? And how did you know that it was going to be a business? Or when did you know? Well, I definitely didn't think it was – I definitely didn't know it was going to be a business for a couple of years in. Um, so, I've actually started in my own businesses in my early 20s mm-hmm. and went through that cycle of having really not great business partners, making a lot of mistakes, not speaking up because I lacked the confidence when I was in a business partnership with people, then going and doing something completely different. So, you know, I got burnt in business and lost a lot of money. So, I ended up going and starting a personal training business. Um, so, and I did that for a couple of years. Wow. So, there's been a lot of ups, you know, ups and downs and learnings, mm. which now that when I reflect on it, I just think everything's 
sort of happens for a reason and you learn so many little bits and pieces along the way that somehow they, they come together. Mm-hmm. And so the things that I'm doing now and, and running the agency, there's so many things I learned mm. um, from, from even from my first job. So getting into PR was uh, a bit, I wouldn't say accidental, but it wasn't super planned. Mm. So I was working in government relations at the time and I'd just come out of a really bad business and, and you know, lost money, was really burnt out and decided I just needed a break. But about six months into that, I was like, I need to do something new. And and look, at the time I was working with a former politician and doing a lot of personal profiling for that person, um, cool. Kerry Chikorovsky, who used to be Liberal leader of the New, New South Wales. And she does a lot of media engagements, uh, sits on a lot of boards, gets approached to be a, an ambassador for a lot of organisations. And I was sort of doing that and realised I really loved it. And I looked at that and kind of defined that to me as, as sort of public relations, PR. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea came from. And I sort of just, you know, Kerry was indirectly my first client. I was actually working in Kerry's business. But from there, it was very much about just tapping into the local young entrepreneurial set in Sydney at the time, mm-hmm. which was growing and was really exciting. And I was just building my networks. And, you know, a couple of these these people actually just said to me, hey, are you interested in PRing me? And, and that's sort of how it started. Nice. And you um, have obviously built such a a great brand. You've got really big guys on your uh, agency at the moment. Can you talk about those? Like who is like the top five biggest? I mean, obviously you don't want to put aside the others, but I guess the most um, inspirational or you're inspired by, who are the top five that you're currently managing at the moment, if you can tell us? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, we we do work with a lot of great people, and you I guess do. that's that's the beauty about building a business because where you started, um, as you evolve and you you know you get bigger and you get a, a bigger I guess profile and people start to see your work, you do attract different kinds of of talent. So I guess what ties them all together is that they're entrepreneurs or business leaders, yeah. and they're all building really amazing businesses. Um, so you know we you know we work with you asked for an example. So James Spensley, who's the chairman of Airtasker, who started a company called Vogue many years ago, has been a client of ours for a while. And, and, you know, it's such a privilege working with somebody who's done so well in business mm-hmm. and who continues to do really well in business. And, and where there's an opportunity to work on his new businesses, we also do that. Awesome. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many people that we have the opportunity to work with. Everybody that maybe doesn't have the same profile level, isn't so well recognized, but they are all really great people. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've seen the stories because you showcase them on your website, which is pretty cool. Um, so, a lot of the times in any business or startup world, a lot of us try to keep it super lean and, you know, PR agencies can be quite expensive. So, we try to like connect with journalists and like reach out to certain people. So there's a lot of time that goes into this, right? You've got to build your connections and, you know, build those relationships, get people to trust you. So would you say that that took quite some time to build trust, you know, with these journalists of, let's say, Yahoo Finance, news, um, you know, TV shows? Like how do, how long does it actually take for somebody to get uh, a media presence on like Channel 7, Channel 9, all these articles, like how long does that usually take and what kind of things do you need to put forward for them to be attracted to? Yeah, I mean, just on the journalist, like relationships is everything. 
in our business. Okay. But, you know, I think that relationships is pretty much a really key thing to all businesses, no matter what business How, you're yeah. in. So for me, that, that's been the number one focus for us is developing genuine relationships and making sure that, you know, we do honor commitments. Um, in our world, things move really, really fast. Um, you know, in the media world, stories are popping up all the time. So you have to be able to respond to that. And, and sometimes you might work with a client and straight away you can get them a piece because the story is amazing, but it's also about the right timing. Mm. So it could just be that a particular show like Sunrise or the Today Show are interested in a certain topic or something, you know, with COVID, we saw that the news cycle was so much about COVID Mm. is having the stories or creating the stories that tap into what the news or the media are covering at the time. So, I mean, it really does vary, but nothing is ever overnight. Um, And there's all the people that you do see and the people that we have um, the great privilege to work with in our business, there's a lot of hard work and plenty of hours and and years that go into getting them to where they are today. And that's just having media exposure as well because sometimes it happens organically. And it's like you see these businesses on Channel 7, Channel 9 talking about, you know, their product or, or what have you and you're like, I've never heard of this business in my in my whole entire life of, you know, running a business and being in the industry. And then you just see them pop up online. You're like, what? And they're like, no, this is like five years of blood, sweat and tears, you know, behind this to actually get media presence. So what advice would you give um, startups if they didn't have the funds behind them to, I guess, pay for a service like yours? What advice would you give them to get some type of media presence? Like, where would you start? I would definitely start with understanding what your brand is and what it stands for. Okay. And then who your target audience is. So, I, I actually sat in a session for a, um, a charity last week and we were talking exactly about this. How do you get more media exposure when mm. you don't necessarily have the resources or the budget? And the really important thing is to understand what you're selling and then understand why it's so important, not to you, but to the people, you know, to the media, obviously, why would they be interested in this? And then also your audience, why would they care? And if you can come up with some of those really key messages and angles, then that makes it so much easier to pitch to a TV station or to a news outlet. Um, and, you know, you asked, you know, for some tips. If you take the time to read media, so not just assume that you need to be on breakfast television, ask the question why and are your, are your audience watching it? Um, same thing if you decide you choose news.com.au or an online publication, take the time to read it Mm -hmm. and find out who's writing the stories and what they're writing about because that will make your job so much easier when you try to go and pitch what you're selling. Because these guys get pitched all the time and um, a friend of mine got verified on Instagram not long ago and I was like, how did you get verified on Instagram? Like I think he has like 100 followers or something like that. I know. And uh, he was like, Oh, I just um, uh, pitched uh, to Instagram that I was on Forbes and then I was on Yahoo Finance and all these articles. And I was like, but how did you get on those articles? And he's like, I pitched that, you know, I made a million dollars under the age of 20 and that article sold and Forbes were interested, Yahoo. And I said, did you have a PR agency? He was like, no, I just literally went on LinkedIn, connected to journalists and DM the pitch. And they were like, yep, we're going to feature you. And then because he got featured, he then did a pitch of saying to Instagram, I was in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, News.com. I was, you know, the finalist of this. And then he was verified literally overnight. And I was like, 
wait, so you like you directly just what did it yourself? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so you can do stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, to be able such, to get attention. It's such a great example of how if you, I mean, it's why people do PR. It's one of the reasons why we, we do PR with a lot of our clients is to create that credibility and trust that an, a news outlet like a Forbes or an entrepreneur can give your brand. And it's a great example because Instagram obviously see that mm-hmm. as a credibility piece and a, and a reason for giving the, the tick of approval. It's crazy. And um, he's just like, I just did the hustle. And I was like, that's so cool. (laughs) So I'm not going to be feminist, but I just would love to know what is it like being a female? I wouldn't say female boss, but being a female in business, um, I guess you're in somewhat a male dominant industry and you're dealing with all these, you know, entrepreneurs and rising stars and leaders. How do you deal um, with, I guess, being in a, such a male-dominant industry and knowing they're not there for other reasons and they're there just to do business with you. Because I'm sure these things have happened quite often and I talk about it all the time to to women. And it's actually one of the main questions I get all the time. It's like, how do you deal in a male-dominant industry as a woman? Like, don't people just want to like date you instead of doing business with you? Like, has this ever happened? I was like, absolutely. It happens quite often. So, how do you know the difference and how do you, I guess, deal with that? Such a learning learning process that one. Um, you know, I've been in business for a while now. I think I was I was having a look at it, and it's probably been about twenty years. Wow! Um, but certainly in the start, you don't know anything different. And definitely when I was starting out, there was not nearly as much media attention on you know movements like Me Too and and really paying attention to the fact that it's not okay. Mm. Um, to do certain things in the workplace or, you know, with your colleagues. But for me, the first business I was in was a startup and there were four co-founders and I was one of one of four and the other three were all males in their 40s. And I just didn't know any different. I, I'd always approached it with a very naive mindset of I just want to be in business. Mm-hmm. I just want to be successful in business. And, you know, that was an opportunity for me. And, and I guess in a way I've been, I guess, lucky mm. because I, you know, I've had my share of some bad experiences um, and I look back at those and I think, gosh, I wish I'd had somebody to mentor me or somebody to talk to about some of those things because they weren't okay. Uh, mm. But overall, it's not something I think that I look at and and go, that was, that was really terrible. Um, yes, definitely our clients, the majority of them are men. And I noticed that as we start to work with increasingly larger businesses, that there are a lot more males at the top mm. than females. And, you know, as a mom and, and a mom with, a, you know, a four-year-old, she's about to turn five and, and a business that's scaling, I can see there are definitely challenges in trying to, to balance both of those roles. Mm. And can you talk about, I guess, and you don't have to, can you talk about an experience that you've been through and how you overcame that as a woman in business? Um, gosh, they look, they, they date back quite a bit now. I don't, I don't find it so much now. Um, and I think it's just, a, you know, I've obviously been in business for a while mm-hmm. and I've got credentials behind me. And people can see, you know, the success or the achievements that I've gotten. And, and it's always quite a level playing field yeah. with our clients. You know, they might be chairman of listed companies or CEOs of multi-million dollar companies, but they're all really fabulous to work with. I guess an example, oh, look, there, look, there there are a few, but it was, you know, I guess a, a mentor of mine from a very young age um, abused that relationship. And for me at the time, I was none the wiser. So I just thought, you know, just put up with it, let it happen. 
um, think yeah. about your goal. And, you know, I, there's certain things I didn't compromise with, but for me it was like, and I didn't do anything that I'm not, that I'm ashamed of now. Like things never went yeah. to that, but there was certainly an abuse of that relationship and an abuse of that power mm. where, you know, you're at some stage it would be good to work with younger girls to help them understand that things like that aren't okay. It's true, right? Let's um, talk about, I guess, your influence as um, a thought leader in PR world. You deal with influential people and you're somewhat in- influential yourself. Um, when did you start? Because I noticed you just started doing a personal brand. I don't know if that's if I am wrong about that, but I just started seeing you recently on LinkedIn and tagged into things and you were doing more uh, showcasing your story and who you are as a person and then you released a podcast um, and that was really cool. And I was like, oh, who who's this Samantha girl? And I was like, oh, she's got a really cool story. So what made you start your own personal brand and not just run other people's? Yeah, I think I've, I've told this story a few times now. So it's, uh, you're right. I didn't always want to put myself forward. And I think it's a, it's a interesting thing when it comes to building a brand. But for us as a business, we work with entrepreneurs and business leaders and mm. we focus very much on building a personal brand that they can use to tell the stories of what they're doing in their businesses because people buy from people and people love to hear stories and, and hear about the good and the bad so much more than just seeing another brand. Mm. And about three years ago, I was actually on a family holiday and I just it's a great time to reflect on business and think about things outside of the business. Yeah, yeah. And I just kind of thought about it and went, you know what, I've got to stop hiding behind my clients. I'm there day in, day out telling them that they need to have up-to-date photos, that they need to have great buyers, that they need to be doing some interviews and and putting their brands out there. And it was exactly the opposite of what I was doing. So I was hiding behind the clients and saying, no, I'm the publicist because I was terrified, mm-hmm. terrified of sitting down for an interview like this one today um, because people would be watching or people would have an opinion and, mm-hmm. and or I'd say something silly or crazy. And I, I sort of just got to the point where I went, you know what, if I want to build my own business – then I need to take some of my own advice and that is get out there and show people what the business is about and show people what your business does. And so it, it has evolved in the past few years. Um, the mm-hmm. podcast, again, was an extension of that. So our clients were doing lots of podcasts and I sort of thought one day, why don't we do our own? And then the next question was, who's going to host it? And it was like, oh, I think that's going to be me. So, you know, again, something I was completely very uh, uncomfortable about doing, but I love a challenge. Mm. And, you know, it's it's not so bad. It's, it's fun. No, it's super fun. It's really uh, time-consuming, though, podcasts. <laughs> As you know, we were just talking about it before. It's quite a lot um, involved. So let's talk about personal branding because that's so important. I think a lot of people – underestimate how great it is by building a personal brand. For me, when I started building my personal brand, like we just were constantly getting opportunities left, right and center just based on a LinkedIn video or a comment that I made or an Instagram video I posted. So how important would you say personal brand is versus building a business brand? Would you say it's equal and why? Um, so I've come back to that. I do want to say though, you've got a fabulous personal brand. Oh, like, thank you. And it, but it's it's genuine, it's authentic, it's um, it's consistent, and you see it all the time. And, and I think that's I'm everywhere on Linkeen. Well, but, <laughs> I feel but sorry that's for in, people. 
<laughs> but it's important. <gasps> it's, you know, it's what you've decided to do. And it's, and I have no doubt it's part of your overall business strategy. Yeah. And so of course, yeah. when you ask that question, my answer is what are your objectives in business? Because the people we always work with are in business. Mm-hmm. It's not about being famous. And I think that's a common myth or misconception um, or misperception about personal brand is that, mm. oh, that person just wants to be famous. Absolutely not. And it's definitely not what we would encourage, but it's about saying, what are your objectives with the business? What do you want to achieve? Mm. And so you decide on those and then you say, well, how are we going to do it? And communications, you have to do comms. Mm. So what is it? Is it a personal, like, is it a profile for a spokesperson or a founder? And then how do we build that? Okay. But do you think personal branding is important to a business brand and how important is it? I'm a really big fan of having a great spokesperson and a great story for a business. So if you think about, say, a digital marketing agency and trying to do some PR for that, and you know we've got a couple of clients in that space, how do you PR a digital marketing agency? Because there's so many of them. Um, and often you know, it comes back to the story behind the founder because mm. normally that person who started the business has a really great story mm. about why they got into business, like some of the challenges that they've had. And then also they've got expertise in that space, which then becomes part of you know what, what I call thought leadership in building that brand. Um, yeah, I, look, I think with things like LinkedIn and social media, having a personal brand is really important. And it's just being comfortable with the idea of what you put out there. And, you know, I say in a business context, does it relate back to what you do as a business? Because people are always watching. Yeah. It needs to be aligned, I guess, to what you're selling or what you're trying to put out, right? And like your values and everything on top of that. I think uh, LinkedIn is also really underestimated. You're quite active on LinkedIn. Where would you say most of your clients sit right now in terms of a social media presence? Is it more LinkedIn, more Instagram? Are they dabbling into TikTok? There's a new app called Clubhouse now. I don't know if you've heard about that. Um, It's a really great app to jump into rooms and talk about different topics. Uh, What are you seeing? I guess the trend is where are people mostly um, active on and what's working for them? Yeah, I mean, we usually encourage LinkedIn as, as a base because, again, our clients are in that business space. Yeah. And LinkedIn is a professional online networking tool. But in terms of our clients, because they're quite diverse these days, like we have some clients in the e-commerce online apparel space, mm-hmm. um, down to digital marketing, as I said, architecture firms, financial fintech, telecommunications. So every single industry is going to be a little bit different. So it's about saying, well, where are your audience? Again, where's your audience? Where's your customer? And where are they, like, what's going to be most important to them? So, with our telecommunications client, as an example, there's focus on LinkedIn and then there's also a consumer piece, which, you know, could be something like a Facebook mm. or an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, telecommunications isn't that interesting for creative content on something like an Instagram or a TikTok. Um, but if there's a platform that they're not using, we'd also say, just get rid of it because a lot. I yeah. mean, a lot of our clients come to us and they might have a Twitter profile that they started ten years ago, and the last time they posted was about five. So for me, if I was googling them, that would just look unprofessional and it would raise questions for me. So I, in mm. that instance, I would say let's get rid of that one and focus on a couple that we can be really good at. Yeah, stick to what you know, right? Can we talk about like the success stories? Because I I think you know. People are like, why would I pay, you know, thousands of dollars 
to hire a PR agency? Like what's the benefit? And people don't understand. It's like a long-term, it's a really, Mm. it's a long-term strategy. Things are not going to happen overnight, as you said. Uh, So tell us about a story that has happened recently that had so much success as a return on investment. So an example of a success story, like we've got a few of them. And again, everyone measures success differently. But, Correct. But one of the things that I absolutely love is when we surprise clients, particularly people who are pretty new to PR and they have no idea what PR is and it often gets uh, confused with marketing, which I think is kind Always. of dangerous territory. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got a client recently that we had on Sunrise, the Channel 7 breakfast program. Okay. And uh, this client doesn't use LinkedIn typically doesn't use LinkedIn and, and their product or their service is very consumer focused. So, you know, it makes sense that they would be thinking more consumer-based PR rather than say something like LinkedIn. Um, and we put some things on their LinkedIn in and about, you know, pre- previewing the interview and then the actual segment itself. And the response was phenomenal. Like I, I actually haven't seen a response on LinkedIn through all of our clients for quite some time to actually how many people watched the clip, how many people liked, how many people oh, wow. engaged. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. And the, we actually had a chat the other day to the client and the client's like, and this, and these people were ringing me and, you know, so-and-so like um, asked me for a coffee and, and all these great things to come out of it. And and for me, that's really exciting. Like I love that bit because you can surprise people with the power of PR Mm. because yes, PR can be deemed to be expensive. It can be deemed to be a bit of a tack on Mm -hmm. as well. And and so for us, it's about educating our clients and saying, hey, PR is part of your overall business strategy. So let's let's work with you and let's partner with you. And let's like, you know, sometimes I think I'm a bit nosy, but for me, the more information I have about the client, the better position we're in to be able to go, hey, that's actually a new story. Because on the flip side of that, there's nothing worse than actually finding something out from the client the day before it goes live or after it goes live and missing an opportunity. So, I mean, that's that's one example. I mean, you know, we had another client like that I've worked with for years and originally uh, it was quite hard to get PR for that person because of, you know, who they were and, and um, I guess the industry that they were in. But over time, you know, that person and, and this person puts in a lot of effort was a lot of effort in personally. Um, you know, they would be one of the most recognized female entrepreneurs in Australia. So there's there's some really great success. And the success for me is obviously getting results, but mm-hmm. also, you know, seeing clients get really surprised and excited about how much, you know, the PR can make a difference for them. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting because every time we talk about PR, it's so mixed. It's such a mixed thing. It's like, is it marketing? Is it content? Is it digital? Like, I don't get it. Like, are we just building a personal brand? And I still remember one of your clients, actually, Taryn Williams, she was talking about uh, after the podcast we did, she was like, you need to invest into PR. And I was like, why? And she was like, you're not going to get a result straight away, but trust me, it's going to be worth it in the end. She's amazing. Uh, yeah. So she, she's, she's amazing. A, yeah. She's a standout um, human being, um, actually a good friend of mine, but yeah. she she is somebody who gets PR, has been doing it for a very long time. She said that, yeah. Very long she's time. She's like, I had months, nothing coming, but then trust me, it will come. Yeah. I, I mean, look, that's that's hard, isn't it? It's like yeah. anything in life, you know, you want to see results. You want to see something happening to deem it a success. Um, so, you know, I'd say with Taryn, like Taryn really puts in the effort. So, and she is, you know, she is marketable and she has some great stories and she works on some amazing businesses. So, you you do, you have to invest in it long term. 
Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's like anything. Like you're constantly evolving your business. Constantly. Um, so PR is no different to that. You know, if you do you do a little bit of PR, I always think that's the worst thing. Like do a short, sharp burst and then never do it again. Mm. I'm like, why would you bother? Like put the yeah. money somewhere else. Yeah. You need consistency. It's like, you know, personal brand, same thing. If you're going to post one time and then not post the same time next week, it's just the algorithm's just not going to favor you, you know. Yeah. It's the same thing. We we did that actually for a while. We are posting on LinkedIn. I think it was like at 8 a.m. every day from Monday to Thursday and we stopped, I think, for almost 30 days and I swear to God, our likes, our engagement just went all the way down and we had to rebuild that for the algorithm to favor us. Really weird. Yeah. I was like, is, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know. But that's um, the but thing. But people like, forget you. Yeah. If you're not constantly active online or in the media or in the press, people can actually forget you. You know, it's like Craig David. It's like, who's Craig David? Oh, yeah, the singer that was like, you know, famous one time. It's, you know, if you're not active constantly, people can tend to forget. So, I I agree. Consistency. What advice? Let's finish it off with a couple of questions and I'd love for you to jump in if you want to mention anything. What advice would you give an entrepreneur by being surrounded by all these amazing people and seeing, you know, their stories and hearing about the, the amazing things they're doing in business, what advice would you give an upcoming entrepreneur that's just starting out, um, that wants to start building traction online and, and, you know, do the personal brand and all of that, but isn't as confident as they would like? Because a lot of these times these things happen. So they're kind of like, well, I need to find somebody to be the face of the brand and I can just kind of be behind the business when in reality they are the business. What advice could you give to that person that doesn't want to be on camera or in the spotlight? I think you need to have a think about what where you see your business ending up. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like I was the same person that didn't want to front the business, Perfect was terrified example. of an interview, was really worried about what people would think if I'd say something silly. And, you know, as a business owner, you have to take, I guess, some ownership of your, you know, your business direction and your marketing and put yourself out there. Mm. Um, believe in, in what you're doing and understand that not everyone's going to like it. And people might have a comment or an opinion. But if I guess the people that matter to you most give you feedback, um, they're the people that you should listen to mm-hmm. and your customers, you know, but but put yourself out there. It doesn't mean that you need to be famous. It doesn't mean that you need to be showy and, and on LinkedIn or on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're creating some content that people genuinely like want to hear about and they will, they want to hear your story and why you started the business and, and what mm-hmm. you bring to that business, you'll find that, you know, things will will really like pick up for you. That's really good advice, actually. Yeah, stick to that. And a good example, you did that, right? Yeah, Quite I mean, that's just, that's just my, my but example. Your but intake from experience because you yeah. were that person, which is good. Um, lastly, where can people find you if they wanted to get into PR or dabble into that space? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to intern for you as well, um, people that wanted to get into a PR um, world or, or start an agency. Uh, and where can people find you if they wanted to come on board and start building uh, a brand? Yeah, well, we're definitely hiring at the moment. So, we're hiring for a couple of roles um, and definitely interns. Like we we have had interns work with us in the past and there's some great work experience for them to come from that. Um, As you mentioned, I'm on LinkedIn. So, I've been a massive fan of LinkedIn for about nine or 10 years now. And it's not that long, but um, (laughs) I love LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, it's it's a growing force. It's it's such a great place for business opportunities. And, uh, you know, sometimes people post things which may seem like they're better suited to Facebook or Instagram. Um, But, you know, 
know, you can cut through that stuff. So on LinkedIn, um, you can go to our website, theprhub.com.au. Um, and as you mentioned, I've also got a podcast called Influence Unlocked. So they can check that out wherever they listen to their podcasts. And what's your LinkedIn handle? Is it just your full name? It is my full name, Samantha Dieback. Awesome. And how do you spell that? D. D. This is how I do it on the phone. D for Delta, Y for Yankee. B for Bravo, A for Alpha, C for Charlie. No worries. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for listening to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew. If you haven't already, please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. Ployd is the only flat rate recruitment product helping companies scale talent without breaking the bank. For more tips and value, follow us on our socials via at Official and at ployd.co on Instagram. Connect with us on LinkedIn at NMS Employed or get in touch directly with Belinda by following her at Belinda Agnew Official.